Screening for colon cancer with colonoscopies is a basic procedure in the United States. But when should follow-up exams be performed in the average risk patient, in the higher risk patient, and in someone who has had polyps found? You are listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, your host. And with me today is Dr. Carol Burke, the director of the Center for Colon, Polyp, and Cancer Prevention at the Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland. Thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Burke. Thanks, Dr. Friedman. Nice to be here. We wanted to discuss with you today follow-up after a colonoscopy. And let's say we do have an average risk patient who's asymptomatic, has an initial colonoscopy at age 50. When should that patient be followed up? That's a great question, and I think we need to be putting it into the context of limited resources for performing colonoscopy in the United States. And as a segue, 5 million colonoscopies are performed each year in America. And while many are done for average-risk colorectal cancer screening and the evaluation of colonic symptoms, up to a third of colonoscopies are done for post-polypectomy surveillance. So that's the current resource utilization For average-risk individuals that undergo their colonoscopy at age 50, the next examination is recommended 10 years later based on indirect evidence. So we don't have really any direct evidence or randomized controlled trials that support that interval, but that's what the major societies have recommended. Now, since about a third of the colonoscopies are done for post-polypectomy surveillance and multiple studies have shown that clinicians oftentimes recommend to frequent post-polypectomy surveillance, we should spend some time talking about when do we do follow-up, and which individuals get it. So in the past, probably up until 1993, all individuals with adenomas, those are the benign precancerous polyps, were recommended to have a one-year post-polypectomy colonoscopy. In 1993, the National Polyp Study did a randomized trial comparing the percentage of patients with polyps that had a follow-up one-year colonoscopy versus a three-year interval. And that study showed that there was virtually no difference in the percentage of patients with adenomas or advanced adenomas found, and that, in fact, was the impetus to change our national guidelines from a yearly examination to a follow-up examination three years after polyps are removed. And that was for any adenomatous polyp, regardless of size? Yeah, yeah, that was just, you had an adenoma, no matter how many. Now, there are some caveats. If the prep of the colonoscopy is not good, if it's an incomplete examination, or you remove a huge lesion in pieces, you want to bring those patients back earlier to ensure that you haven't missed something or that, you know, polyp has regrown in that piecemeal resection. But standing as it is, Individuals with adenomas didn't have to come back on a yearly basis. Basically, everyone moved to a three-year exam. Since that time, however, many studies have evaluated the adenoma-related risk factors associated with advanced recurrent neoplasia on follow-up colonoscopy. What is advanced neoplasms? Those are the lesions which are associated with the greatest risk of future colon cancer. And the definition really are adenomas that are a centimeter or greater in size or those that contain some villus elements, so tubulovillus adenoma or villus adenoma, or those with high-grade dysplasia. So some refinement of the criteria based on size and histology. Size and histology, right. But it's interesting, when you review the literature, the association of large size and villus pathology on the increased risk of recurrent advanced neoplasia has been inconsistent. But when you look at the one factor that has been predictably associated with identifying individuals who have recurrent advanced neoplasia on follow-up, it's the number of polyps. So one to two versus three or more. So based on the wealth of information that has come out, mostly in retrospective studies, 
So this historical data has given the experts enough evidence that the guidelines have changed. So now we're stratifying individuals with adenomas into a low-risk group versus a high-risk group. And the low-risk group are those individuals with one to two, less than one centimeter, tubular adenomas. And the high-risk individuals are those that have two or more, a centimeter or greater, or an adenoma with advanced pathology who warrant a three-year follow-up. And in fact, the most recent rendition of the guidelines say that the low-risk individuals can come back in five to ten years. Mm. So there's been a slight change, but I'm a little bit uncomfortable saying if you had a couple of adenomas that are small in this exam, come back at the interval that I'd recommend an average-risk individual. So I haven't, I haven't pushed it to ten years. I'm still at five years, but the guidelines would suggest that you know, five to ten years might be appropriate. So my group got interested in looking at, gosh, you know, we can identify some adenoma features, although inconsistent, that are associated with recurrent advanced neoplasia, but we know that the high-risk person is also the person that has numerous adenomas. So we want to be able to predict not only those that will have advanced recurrent neoplasia on follow-up, but those that would have numerous adenomas on follow-up. So we performed an analysis of 800 subjects who were enrolled in the placebo arms of three of our large post-polypectomy chemoprevention trials to determine which adenoma feature has the greatest risk for predicting the individual at high risk on follow-up. So that's not only the individual with an advanced adenoma, but numerous adenomas in addition. So in our group, we had, of the 800 subjects, a mean age of 60, and the follow-up interval was a colonoscopy approximately 37 months after the baseline exam. And in our multivariable analysis, we found that the pathology of the baseline polyp was not associated with recurrent advanced neoplasia Mm -hmm. or numerous polyps on follow-up. Large size was associated only with predicting advanced neoplasia, but numerous adenomas, so three or more, was the only factor associated with identifying an individual who would have advanced neoplasms or have numerous adenomas on follow-up, so the high-risk individual. So really, the, a big shift there, uh, we started looking at just size and histology, added the number, and on your particular recent study, uh, the numbers seem to be the most predictive. Right. Number, number, number. Okay. But so what's not considered in the guidelines really is the past history of neoplasia. We kind of say, oh gosh, on your last examination, you know, you had this, so this is when your next examination. And so what's not really been considered is what about your examination two times ago or three times ago or five times ago, or the guidelines don't consider family history and adenoma features. There was another interesting study that was presented at the American College of Gastroenterology meeting in Philadelphia this past October when we presented our data. And MEDA did a study that looked at the findings on the first exam, the second exam, and what was predicted on the third exam. So they were able to find a cohort of 88 low-risk patients. So those individuals had one to two small tubular adenomas at baseline examination. And what they found that is that less than 5% of them um, would be considered high risk at the second or third examination. So if we say, gosh, you know, you're a low-risk person, let's send you out 10 years. In fact, they found that it's a small number, but it's not it's not insignificant if you're in that 5%. So less than 5%, in fact, will have some high-risk feature on the second or third examination. I don't think any cancers were detected. But what's most interesting, I think, is of the 56 subjects that had the low-risk features on baseline and no adenomas on their second colonoscopy, about 4% had advanced neoplasia on the third exam. And these were done on average three years apart. So the small retrospective study is not large enough to be conclusive 
and it's limited by its retrospective nature, but does support the notion that we need to consider you know, all risk factors and adenoma features when we stratify our, our patient's risk and we make post-polypectomy colonoscopy interval guidelines or follow-up recommendations. Do you consider family history in a first-degree relative an indication to screen more frequently? Yes, and, and that's reflected in most of the guidelines. So right now, um, family history is considered based on the number of relatives as well as the age at which they were affected. So if you have one first-degree relative that had colorectal neoplasia, whether it's an adenoma or polyp, that was older than the age of 60, the recommendation is average risk guidelines or average risk options beginning at the age of 40, either fecal blood test, Flexig with FOBT, barium enema with Flexig, or colonoscopy every 10 years. So we move it to the age of 40, but, but you know, most guidelines say any option. I would say that if you have a family history, colonoscopy, again, is, is definitely preferred. Mm-hmm. However, if you have two first-degree relatives at any age with colorectal neoplasia, adenoma, or cancer, or the first-degree relative was affected less than the age of 60, you begin at age 40, and it's a colonoscopy every five years. So there is some difference in the average risk recommendations based on number of first-degree relatives and the age that they were affected. And uh, other high-risk patients, uh, the inflammatory bowel disease patients, how do we handle those? Certainly, you know, I don't think of them as average risk, but when you have someone that has a chronic inflammatory colitis, whether it's Crohn's colitis or ulcerative colitis, particularly if more than the rectum and sigmoid is involved in ulcerative colitis, we usually wait approximately seven to eight years, so they need to have the colitis for a certain number of years before the risk increases. And after that time period, in fact, they should have a full colonoscopy with four quadrant biopsies roughly every 10 centimeters to look for dysplasia, which, you know, could sometimes it doesn't look like a mass lesion. It can be a flat lesion within a normal appearing colonoscopy. So that's a particularly high-risk group that needs frequent surveillance. And the other ones would be those with the inherited colorectal cancer syndromes like HNPCC or FAP. And, you know, you start very early and very frequent surveillance. How would you suggest we handle this? Happens to me sometimes. Uh, someone who is truly at average risk, who's had a colonoscopy and comes in, Doc. It's been six years since my last colonoscopy. Don't you think I should be safe and not sorry and get another one? Well, <laughs> I want I want everyone to be safe, and I think this gets to the quality of colonoscopy because the question you raise is what is the protective benefit from a colonoscopy? And there's emerging data that up to 5% of people that are diagnosed with colorectal cancer have had a preceding colonoscopy in the last three to five years. Well, what the heck is going on? And in fact, to get to this issue, the major societies, the ASGE and ACG, have developed quality guidelines for the use of colonoscopy. And what um, we need to be sure is that individuals performing colonoscopy should be able to perform high-quality colonoscopy. So what does that mean? A minimal adenoma detection rate of 25% for average risk men and 15% in average risk women, which is dependent on the withdrawal time. The longer you take to withdraw the scope and look carefully, the higher the adenoma detection rate. Makes sense. We also need to document the quality of the bowel preparation with tenacity and cleaning out any colorectal residue. We need to be able to do a complete examination and over, you know, getting to the cecum in over 95% of the cases of these screening examinations and, in fact, document that we've gotten there. 
and we need to have scrutiny in evaluating the mucosa, including all the nicks and crannies on the way out. And I think that if we all move toward performing a high-quality colonoscopy, we may be able to decrease these interval cancers. Certainly, there may be some biologic uh, variability. Methylated lesions, these large proximal hyperplastic polyps, they're covered with mucus that are easily missed that look like a protuberant fold. But I think that if we all pay attention to high-quality colonoscopy, we may be able to decrease this interval cancer rate, and we need to have a frank discussion with patients. Is there 100% protection? No, there's not. But a high-quality examination in most studies shows that the risk of cancer would be minimal, and the risk of missing something that's a centimeter or larger is zero to six percent in the best of hands. Well, I want to thank Dr. Carol Burke. Very interesting and important information. I thank you very much, Dr. Burke, and I want to thank you all for listening. This has been the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Hi, my name is Dr. Paul Howard, Director of Arthritis Health in Phoenix, Arizona. You are listening to the first national radio channel created specifically for medical professionals, ReachMD XM 157.